Hey, this is Mitchell McLam, lead pastor of Sapona Road Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're so excited you found our podcast. Our prayer is that you're blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about Sapona Road Church or would like to give to this ministry, please visit our website at saponaroadchurch.com. We hope you have a great day and enjoy today's message. So I do have a question. I like I like to talk back and forth. If you know me, you know that. I think I said that last time and a guy come in here and he talked to me like the whole time. So <laughs> but um I love to talk back and forth. So I do have questions. You don't have to answer if you don't like you ain't got to feel obligated to. I'll just call you out later. So how often do you guys pray? Whatever would somebody say you pray every day? Show of hands. You pray every day? Okay. All right. Pray two, three times a day. You pray over your food, you bless it. Oh, you got to now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, so, um, and I do have a, like, I, I pray myself at least every day. Um, I love to pick. Yes, I don't, I feel like I don't pray as much as I should, but I pray every day, several times a day. Um, I love to talk to God. I love to be in communication with him. Um, I don't read my Bible like I should. You know, just being transparent, I don't read my Bible like I should, or at least I feel I should, but I Amber does, she'll, she don't tell on me later on, but Amber, Amber uh, struggles with praying, but she reads her Bible. So I said, together, we're one unit. So and she was like, no, that don't work that way. <laughs> so, but um, yeah, I, I, I struggle. Uh, I, I do a great job praying every day, but um, I, I do pray, though, in different places. So I want you guys to think about where you pray at the most. I pray the most when I'm in the shower, when I'm driving, or... I mean, just kind of anything where I'm like, I'm just sitting there and I could be listening to music. I'd rather pray. I'd rather talk to God. And I pray over everybody that I'm driving by. So if I drive by you and you feel something hit you, that's, boom, that's the Lord throwing it at you because I, I was praying for you. So, <laughs> um, and then lastly, before we jump in, I want you to think about how you were taught to pray. We were all taught to pray somehow. And I remember as a kid, my, uh, me and my brother would pray. We stayed in the same room for a long time, and uh, I would pray first, and then he would pray second, and I would pray, Our Father who art in heaven, I would pray the Lord's Prayer, and then I would say, Let me grow up to be the young Christian man that you called me to be. And then uh, I would pray on my own. My mom said, You got to add a little bit of your own razzle dazzle in there. So I would pray, Lord, let the first girl I date be the girl I marry. And my brother said, You're crazy. That ain't, ain't no girl going to date you. I was like, Yeah. <laughs> You're right. And then uh, <laughs> I found somebody crazy, and the Lord sent me my first girlfriend to be my wife. And so uh, I just I thank him for that, and uh, I thank him for the beautiful baby that I have now. Um, so we were all taught to pray somehow, some way. Um, our scripture today is going to be coming from the book of Matthew, chapter 26, verses 36 through 46. Because I am a youth pastor and I, I have to do this regularly, the book... The scripture today is coming from Matthew chapter 26, verse 36 through 46. Um, we'll be going through several different bouts of scripture here, but just bear with me on this. So I'm reading from the English Standard Version, starting on verse 36. Jesus prays in the Garden of Gethsemane. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and two sons of Zebedee, that was James and John, he began to be sorrowful and troubled here. Um, 
then verse 38 says, Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here with, and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, is it possible? Let this cup pass from me. And prayed, and nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to his disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed. My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were so heavy. Were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. So we're going to break the scripture down. I, I love to dissect scripture, and then we'll do the sermon. So I, 1148, 1048. All right, so we got about three hours to have and get through this before I got to be at Kindley. So uh, <laughs> we'll go ahead and jump into it. Um, verse 36, going back to verse 36. On the other page, it says, Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there. Now, Gethsemane is very important to notate. The, uh, another version of the Bible says this is, he goes to the Mount of Olives, or to the bottom of the Mount of Olives. Um, Gethsemane is um, also known in, as where the new church over inside uh, the other country sits at. And they believe that it was to be on a rock, i.e. the rock. <laughs> so, Gethsemane in Hebrew stands for oil press, and we, we know that Gethsemane is located at the bottom of the hill of the Mount of Olives, and I was like, oh, that's interesting, you know, olives roll down hill, oil press, ha, gotcha. So, uh, but I'm not an oil pressing kind of, you know, preaching person right now, that's not what the Spirit led me to. Um, reading on, in verses 37 through 38, where we see... Jesus says he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. See, Jesus took, he, he took the disciples with him. He said, come on, let's go to the Garden of Gethsemane. This was no new place for them, must you know. Jesus prayed at the Garden of Gethsemane many times. And he took his disciples with him, and he stopped them there. But then it says he took Peter, James, and John a little further. And then he set them down. And he said, watch with me as I pray. See, Jesus took, I believe, his best disciples with him a little bit further. See, you got, you got people in your life that they're there to go with you along the way just to see what you're up to and just to follow you along. But then you got to leave them behind. You got to go a little bit step further with your, your, your real friends and your family, those that are lifting you up in prayer. And you got to go a little bit further because they're the ones that's going to keep watch with you. They're the ones that's going to be there. So then in verse 38, we see the human side of Jesus. We see the flesh. Jesus, his emotions had came out, and he had told these three disciples Hey, my soul is I'm very sorrowful. I'm very sorrowful even to the point of death. And so I just I was thinking, I was like, you know, not everybody needs to see your emotions sometimes. Not everybody needs to see 
uh, what you're going through. Only those that you know that will lift you up in prayer. Only those that you know that do understand. Those are the ones that had to, that saw his emotions. So that's very to notate. That's that's important that we are careful who we show our emotions to at times because sometimes they could be misconstrued. Perception is everything. Perception is everything. If I came in here and I had tattoos on and a mohawk and I was wearing baggy pants, you would probably have some type of feeling you know, about me. Um, some people, even to this day, would have a feeling about me wearing jeans up here in the pulpit. But, you know, the Bible says come as you are. So <laughs> continuing on at verse 39, um, it says that, And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Um, see, Jesus, Jesus fell on his face and surrendered to the Father. In the, book of, in the book of Luke, chapter 22, verse 41, Luke states that he withdrew from them about a stone's way. The book of Luke says that he withdrew from the other disciples about a stone's way. This right here is a stone. He withdrew from them about, about a stone's throw away. So Jesus falls on his face in prayer to the Father. Does that sound kind of out of character from what we've read about Jesus in the Bible? If you've read the Bible coming up, you know, you don't really see where he's fell on his face much in prayer. But we see that Jesus, he prays an act of surrenderance. He's struggling at this moment. He's struggling. And I've, I've been in that same place with him. And I'm sure many of you have as well. So um, continuing on on verse 40, and he came to his disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so you could not watch with me one hour. Man, I'm going to like, I'm, all right, so I know a little bit of you in here, a little bit older. I'm going to give you some new uh, phrases to run with here. He came back and called them slump. They were slump. That's all I'm going to say about it. They, he called them sleeping. They were slump. And he said, yo, he said, you got to stay woke. He was like, you need to be woke right now. He said, you need to wake up. And then he's like, he's upset. He's like, what? you couldn't even watch me one hour, man. <laughs> and just a little bit before this, it talks, Jesus foretells Peter's denial. And Peter's like, no, nah, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. And then he's asleep one hour. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. Anyways, so I just, it hit me. And I was like, well, shoot, you know, how many of us can stay awake to watch, Je you know, see if Jesus is going to come in one hour or even to pray for one hour or to sit in church for one hour? Lord forbid, but anyways, keep, keep it on going. Um, verse 41, um, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is indeed weak. Um, I have a question. For you guys, we read this scripture together. Was Jesus talking to his disciples or was he speaking in the spirit? Was he speaking to himself? Because we see Jesus, he run, no, he goes to the garden of Gethsemane. It says he fell about a, a, he went about a stone's throw away and he fell down his face and he said, Father, if this cup can pass from me, let it be. And we see that he's struggling and we see that this is the flesh side. This is, this is the human side. And we see that the spirit is indeed ready. We see that the father is ready for his son to come home and be in communion with him. But Jesus is struggling. So was Jesus really speaking to his disciples or was he also speaking to, to, to have two or three agree together with him? He said, watch and pray. 
so that you do not fall into temptation. So this was this was Jesus just telling them to stay and watch. He was telling them to stay and watch. Jesus is kind of foretelling his disciples, hey, look, you need to stand watch. You need to pray. You need to stay ready so you don't fall into temptation so that way on the day I return to receive my children, to call them on to heaven, that you'll be ready. He's letting them know. It's very symbolic here as well. Um, continuing on in verse 42. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, my father, if this cannot pass, Unless I drink it, your will be done. So Jesus at this time is, he went back a second time and prayed for something. How many of us have, have prayed for things two, three, 20, 40 times? And it seems like nothing's happening. Nothing's changing. But Jesus says at the end of every prayer, he says, your will be done. Your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. And Jesus did not want to die. I believe that Jesus wanted to stay in communion with you and me. I believe that Jesus wanted to walk this earth in the flesh with you and me forever. I really, I really do. At this time, Jesus' flesh, the, the side of him right there, he just wanted to be with you and me. He just wanted to continue to be here and perform miracles. He wanted to be here and continue to teach us and guide us. But in order for the Holy Spirit to come, he had to go. See, we cannot get so caught up and doing his work that we forget to do his will. It's, it's a struggle, especially in ministry. You get so caught up in doing the work of the Father that you forget that you need to do his will. Because the work may not be his will during that time. And so that's, that's something I struggle with. I think I'm doing what's best. Just like when I thought I was going to speak on something else this morning, and I was like, God, I'm, I'm not ready for this. I'm not ready. But I trust you, Holy Spirit, and I have, you have your will, and I surrender myself to you. So we cannot get so caught up on doing his work that we forget his will. Luke 22, verses 43 and 44, it says, And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. Jesus was, Jesus was distressed. The, the reason we see this outline in Luke, but in no, others, in other, no other books, is because Luke was the doctor of the bunch. He was the physician. So this was very intriguing to Luke to see that Jesus had begun to pray so, so hard and so earnestly to the point of stress and worry because he was struggling with his father's will. He was praying so hard that I forget the technical term for it because I am no doctor. I have no 3.85 GPA. <laughs> uh, but however, he, uh, Luke watched this happen, and the, the process is where you begin to stress or worry so much that the blood vessels in your sweat glands rupture, and then your sweat glands begin to secrete blood. And it says that God sent an angel to strengthen him because the father was still ready to see his son. The father was still ready to be in communion with his son, and he knew what was to come afterwards. Jesus didn't see it just yet. Well, he did. I'm sorry. Jesus is, yes, he did indeed. But what he was struggling with at this time in the fleshly side of him, for the flesh was weak. The spirit was indeed willing, but the flesh was weak. So in verse 43, 
It says, and they came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. They were slumping again. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's all I didn't say to it. And so leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. So he prayed three times. He prayed three times, and the battle was on. And it's, it's definitely it's signifying that Jesus was battling with flesh at this time. Um, then he came to his disciples and said to them, sleep Take your rest later. The hour is at hand. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Let us rise and be going. See my betrayers at hand. So Jesus was captured and met later on in Scripture by Judas and his gang. Um, before I get started on some points, I want to outline something that all these books describe differently because I think everybody had different views at that time. And, and John, it's important to note that Jesus was tempted once more. And it's outlined in the book of John, chapter 18, verses 4 through 8. And it states that when they came to, to capture Jesus, they say, he says, whom do you seek? Jesus knew what was to come. He said, whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he says, that is I. And they back, they back up from him and they fall to their face. I truly believe that that was temptation once more that Jesus could have it could have stopped right there but he knew that his father's will had to be done and he said once more whom do you seek and he said they said Jesus and Nazareth that is I and he went with him and he said for his father's will to be fulfilled so Carter can you put up the title of my sermon right there screens are dead okay awesome that's good we'll work around so <laughs> that's good since the screens are dead I don't see a timer back there so I got another hour so so the title of my sermon today and is is super short and super super sweet is that not as I will but as you will not as I will but as he wills and so my first point I want to bring to you is that you have to get out of your comfort zone Jesus had to get out of his comfort zone Jesus took him to the Garden of Gethsemane. It was a familiar place, but he took all of his disciples. He left those three. He went a little bit further, and then he left them and went about, a, once again, a, uh, a stone's throw away. And so he had to get out of his comfort zone. He fell on his face and pleaded with his father to stay in communion with us. Verses 38 and 39, Jesus' flesh had to step out of the comfort zone so that the Holy Spirit could come. See, the Holy Spirit can't comfort you and be the great comforter if you're already in the comfort zone. See, the Holy Spirit cannot comfort somebody that's already comfortable. So change happens in the uncomfortable. We have to admit that change happens in the uncomfortable. My baby's one years old. Love him to death. You've seen him. He's sweet. He's really big. And he just started crying the other night. I was like, what is wrong with you, man? Gave him milk. Gave him $20. I tried to put him to bed. I gave him keys to the truck. Nothing would not quiet him down. But however... He was having growing pains, and that was a change for him. And it was very uncomfortable. And that's where the change was happening inside of his body. So you have to get out of your comfort zone to allow the Holy Spirit to comfort you. Point number two I want to make is that Jesus, it says in the book of Luke that he withdrew a stone throw away. Jesus withdrew a stone throw away. I've, I've struggled 
it felt like Jesus isn't there. I'm sure we all have at some point in time. We're like, why? Who who am I even talking to? Who who's there? Are you even listening, Father? Where where are you? You 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 performed the wheel and and where where are you? And you feel like you can't hear his voice, or you you feel like you can't feel his his touch. You don't feel his favor in your life anymore. And we've all struggled with that. And it says Jesus withdrew a stone away. See, uh, Jesus, when he withdrew that, that, that stone throw away, he was praying to his father and he was interceding on our behalf. Jesus was the intercessor. He was the great bridge. And while he was interceding on our behalf, the disciples were sleeping. And I believe that since Jesus is the great intercessor and he was only a stone throw away, I think there's a lot of things, a lot of things in our life that if we just realize that Jesus is a stone throw away, that ourselves, us, we could throw it away. So in my, in my rock right here, there's, there's a couple things. Jesus is only a stone throw away. And so we get so caught up on sins and temptations that we forget Jesus is only a stone throw away. And so just things that we struggle with each and every day, different things. We struggle with, with addictions. We struggle with money, finances. We may struggle with other addictions, just so many different things. And we forget that Jesus is only a stone throw away. Um, we, we, struggle, we struggle with, with trying to, to drown out situations. And we, we forget Jesus is only a stone throw away. We struggle with self-image and how we look and how we present ourselves to people, our perception. Jesus went a little bit further and fell on his face. They could see him fall on his face crying. This is their master. This was their leader. And Jesus was still only a, he was only a stone throw away. Jesus, Jesus was struggling himself the whole time battling with his, his flesh. It was his own thoughts. This is my this is my own personal med- medication. It was issued on March the twentieth, twenty eighteen. A lot of you know part of my testimony, and this was it. I prayed. I said, "Father, I'm done." I fell on my face, and I was I was just crying out to Him. I was in the point where Jesus was, and I struggled. And I went and saw a doctor. The doctor did me no good took this medicine. I said, Father, I said, I'm done. Like, does it have to be this way? I I pray, Lord, that it's it's not as I will, but it's as you will. And I struggled. And I came out of that prayer closet after I was sweating and agonizing pain. And this medicine, I take no more. God has delivered me from anxiety and stress. And I realized he was only a stone throw away the whole time. And so I think we get so... I think we get so caught up on looking for where Jesus is at that we, we realize that he's no further than a stone throw away. This is the only time in the Bible where it says that Jesus withdrew from them and he withdrew a stone throw away. Jesus was always nearby. So Jesus prayed the agonizing prayer while he was a stone throw away and he sweated blood on, on that Mount of Olives and he interceded on our behalf. Jesus is the intercessor. He's, he's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the only way we're going to get to heaven is if you know Jesus. So I, I challenge you that if you're struggling with things, that you just remember that Jesus is only a stone throw away. 
And then my last point, as I bring this to a close, if uh, you want to help me out, Pastor Mitchell or Josh, is that we have to keep watch. We have to keep watch. It says that Jesus came back three times, three times, and he had told them to keep watch. The first time, keep watch. The second time, keep watch. And then the third time, keep watch. And I think as Christians, it's so hard to get disheartened. It's, as as just, just people living in this, in this corrupt world, it's so hard, it's so easy to get disheartened and think that, you know, where, where is Jesus? When will he return? And Jesus is telling them to keep watch. See, not only did Jesus find the answers to his father's will when he returned to see his disciples, he was informing us to keep watch. Because he's going to come. He will come. And he told them to pray that they might not slip into temptation. Because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We can't do it on our own. It's impossible. We have to have the Holy Spirit in our lives to, to do what we are called to do. I'm the least qualified person to be up here speaking right now. But God qualifies the unqualified. And, and I solely believe that because I couldn't do this without the Holy Spirit's guidance. I had no idea what I was putting on this paper. No idea, but I said, Lord, I trust you. And we have to keep watch, church, because he will be back. He will be back. See, he came back to the disciples, and he was preparing them for what was to come. He was preparing them. Jesus knew what had to be done, but that doesn't mean that he wanted to do it, but he did it anyways for you and me. Jesus prayed, he said, Father, not as I will, but as you will. And that's, that's something I pray daily. That's something I, I pray daily. And my rock, like I said, it's my truck. It's my, it's my desk. It's um, the church. It's, it's the shower. It's, it's wherever I find myself at that I, I know that I need God. I can't, I can't do it without him. And I have to pray every day, Lord, because he knows that it's not as I will, but it's as he wills. Because if it's as I will, that medication would be back in my counter. I would probably have to take it. But it's, I'm freed from that because it's not as I will. It's as he wills. And so I, I beg of you today as a church that you keep watch for the Savior, that you realize he's only a stone throw away, that you keep watch for him. He, these, these guys can't keep watch for an hour, and then that's when Judas and his gang snuck up on him, and they got him. That's when they snuck up on him and they got him. And Jesus knew this had to happen because it was the Father's will. So as I close out today, I just, I just want to ask you, how many of you need to pick up your stone and throw it to Jesus? How many of you need to pick up those things that you're struggling with and you throw it to Jesus? How many of you need to pick up stress, anxiety, um, overworking, just whatever it may be, and throw it to Jesus? The feeling of, of loneliness, the feeling of being depressed, the feeling of being held captive, and just throw it to Jesus. Because it's very interesting to note that the, the fall of man happened in the Garden of Eden. But then we see where the work was finished on the cross, but we see where it begins to process in the Garden of Gethsemane. And if we look, these are both gardens, and the gardens are full of life. 
they're full of ever-changing life and they're they're abundant full and it's it's very fruitful but this is where in the garden you have to you have to till the land you have to prune the, the flowers and it, it may not feel good to the flowers but it helps them grow and flourish better and so that's that is what we're doing today as as i as i challenge you to to throw your stone away as you it's a pruning process god wants to take you to more he wants he wants the very best for your life i did not realize that i didn't i thought i was held subject to a medicine bottle that's that's what i thought my life was going to be but he called me he called me to be more and I'm, call, I'm, I'm calling you on behalf of him to be more. Like, you guys, I see so much potential in the room, and I couldn't think of a, of a better sermon um, title to preach than, than not as I will, but as you will. If you need the Holy Spirit, if you want the Holy Spirit to comfort you, you have to get out of your comfort zone. You have to make a move. You may have to, to do that thing that you really didn't want to do. You may have to say the words that you really didn't want to say, but get out of your comfort zone so the Holy Spirit can comfort you. So, Father, I, I praise you. I give you, I give you praise once more, Father, for this day. I give you praise for your word. I pray, Holy Spirit, you continue to move in each and every person's life. Protect them, Father. Keep them safe and just guide them, Lord. I pray, Father, Lord, for each and every person that, he, that is here, Father, Lord, that you just you watch over them, Lord, and that you just bless them immensely, Lord, with your goodness. I love you and I give you praise and honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.